Hello and welcome to How to Be a Better DM, the official podcast of Monsters.Rent. I'm here with Justin Lewis. Say hi, Justin. Hi, Justin. Hi, Justin. Um, (laughs) We are here today to talk about a a fun little topic, uh, basically dungeons and villages, when and how to use either. So, uh, I mean, this topic, I have always find it interesting, like the composition of a campaign, you know, if, if you treat it like a, like, like a sandwich, it's like, okay, what, what, you know, it's a nice BLT. Do you put the tomatoes on first? Do you put, you know, are you a maniac and you just put a bunch of bacon and just like a leaf of lettuce? You know, what, what do you do and how do you kind of balance it? That's kind of what a lot of dms have to do when it comes to being like hey i want a really cool dungeon but i also want to have some of the more role-playing heavy villages and kind of switch it up Uh, have you ever thought about this kind of balance that you have justin i haven't i haven't necessarily thought of the balance but i certainly have fallen into the blunders that we're going to talk about with each of these and when you do uh, it's it's pretty annoying because you kind of kick yourself and be like, dang, that dungeon could have been so fun or that village could have been so fun. Um, I will say I definitely think one might be a little bit easier because, well, we'll get into that. I'll, I'll, I'll reveal all as we talk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so for the purpose of this discussion... Uh, just to give a little roadmap, we'll, we'll kind of ta- dive into dungeons and villages or cities. You know, we're saying villages, but we mean any kind of settlement where it's going to be, you know, more NPC centric uh, built. Uh, so that's kind of what we're thinking about when we think of village. Uh, and it could be any size, could be a little, you know, three shacks by the side of the road, or it could be an entire city surrounded by huge walls with giant palaces within it, right? And it just kind of the, that's, we're bundling that as one experience. Then on the other side, dungeons. Now, it's not always a dungeon per se, but it's kind of like a curated uh, experience where, you know, the adv- adventuring party is going into one specific place and exploring, you know. Um, and it's not somewhere they're just traveling through. It's like, no, it's, it's a specific kind of uh, self-enclosed experience. Uh, so kind of getting into it, let's let's talk about dungeons and what yeah. kind of makes a dungeon special. Yeah. And, and one other thing I'd like to also add, just sort of a caveat. <clears throat> These are traditional dungeons and villages. You could theoretically take whatever we're talking about, like the aspects, and apply them to the other one, right? Um, for example by nature dungeons will be or or seem more railroady right uh simply because there's a choices have been made and now choices are restricted right like once once yeah. aragorn follows the path of the dead and he goes into the mountain the ghosts know he's there right he can't just well he could just turn around and walk out but th- those are his only two choices proceed stay where he is i guess three choices or go backward but but theoretically you could make a village more railroady but we're going to talk in general terms so so that's really the the first point of a dungeon and and kind of what it is is once you're in it it's either stay where you are which is kind of not really a choice go forward or go back exactly and and once you're in the dungeon you can kind of expect 
you know, I, I think it's going to be reskinned, and you're going to, as a DM, you know, we talked about this before. You want to give a variety of experiences. You know, don't have every combat be the same. Uh, have interesting mechanics and and include traps here and there, and make sure they're not all the same either. But that's kind of what you're expecting in a, in a dungeon. You're going to expect a lot of combats of, with various creatures, uh, a lot of traps that, or just you know obstacles and skill checks that the, that the party's going to have to um, deal with, and of course loot. I, I think that that's uh, the main difference. Another big difference between villages and dungeons is a dungeon. If, so long as you beat the enemy or the challenge or whatever it is, the, the treasure is just sitting there. You don't have to barter. You don't have to pay anything. You you paid with your time and and, and your characters, you know, uh, bodies essentially, right? <laughs> uh, and, and I think that's kind of you. That's what you expect. And yeah, it might be within a druid's ancient enclave or something, or it could be in in a crypt, you know, far below the city, you know, or whatever it is. The skin is going to look different, and the types of monsters is going to be specific to the environment, but it's still kind of those elements, you know? Absolutely. Um, kind of to that point, you know, a traditional way of making dungeons is coming up with either the map first or kind of the end goal first, right? So if they're going into this crypt to destroy a lich... You know, you know that they're going to fight the lich at some point, unless they leave the, the crypt. Right? That's just how it is. Uh, and then you sort of fill everything in there with challenges to make it more difficult and things like that. Uh, so, <clears throat> with all that said, compared to a village, a dungeon is a lot more obvious in terms of goals. Right? People don't necessarily go into a dungeon and then, you know, halfway through be like, wait. Like, when we get to the end, what are we going to do? It's like, no, we're going to kill the baddie and take the loot, right? Like, that's yeah. that's the dungeons part of Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I find that uh, dungeons are, they're nice in, a, in, a, in one way and they're difficult in another. Uh, first, they're really nice in the way that it's simple. You know, the players, like I, I was running a campaign and I had a dungeon you know, this was one of those campaigns that kind of sputtered out pretty early on because school happened and all this other stuff, right? Uh, but we uh, we had gone through... I, it opened up with essentially a dungeon crawl, you know? Um, kind of like a smaller to medium-sized one. Took a few sessions. And, uh, and then it was like a couple villages in a row. And they uh, the players, like afterwards, they were like, oh, I really like that initial dungeon. And I think the the reason why is because like, hey, when you're just opening up to adventure, uh, especially if your party isn't amazing at role play, you no scratch that. Even if they are amazing at role play, role playing, I think that you have there's a lot of difficulty in launching right into role playing if you haven't had kind of those more like grindy dungeons that you have to go through. Right, you kind of need experiences in order to really enjoy a village. And I think dungeons are a perfect place for that. I couldn't agree more. And I actually think based on what you said, it sparked kind of this thought in my mind that um, I, I often talk about galvanizing experiences at the beginning of campaigns or with one shots that force the, the party to be a party, right? And yeah. those galvanizing experiences can be 
you know, shared trauma, or they could literally be, we've all been hired to do the same thing. <clears throat> and yeah. to your point, Tanner, I think doing dungeons at the beginning of a campaign is very important because it does allow the party to sort of form those bonds. And even thinking, <clears throat> you can do dungeons in sort of a very non-dungeon-y way. So the, the example I'm thinking of is uh, the Eroes campaign of High Rollers. They're a group out of the UK, and I've been listening to them lately. And, and spoiler alert if you haven't listened to it, but their campaign starts with session one, they're on an airship, and they're being attacked, right? That's great. And basically chapter one of this, this campaign, the airship crashes in the lowlands, which is a wild and inhospitable place, right? And there's like five or six survivors, survivors including the party. Actually, there might be more because I think there were NPCs. But in a larger sense, that is a dungeon because their options are we have to find civilization or we're going to starve, be attacked by wild elves, things like that, right? And and I might be kind of um, expanding the definition a little bit, but, but, but you can do things like that. And, and I do think that starting campaigns with a dungeon is a very good idea because, again, it does give everyone that clear reason of, why are we traveling together? Why are we cooperating? Because everyone always likes to pick those characters that are mysterious and don't trust anyone, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, I think for all the strengths of a dungeon, because like you mentioned, it's it's right in the name. As much as people love dragons, dungeons comes first. <laughs> uh, and But I think that the issue is that sometimes they can be fatiguing, especially for a DM, but also for players, right? Where yeah. it's like, if if it's big enough... Well, I mean, caveat, if your players come in being like, hey, I want to do a huge dungeon, you know, uh, just like multi-level. And that's basically the entire campaign's one big dungeon. That That's that's the exception. Mm -hmm. If you're just including a dungeon as part of a campaign, if you do too long of a dungeon, then it's just it's a lot of combats. It's a lot of the party being essentially on edge the entire time. Right. Being like, oh, you know, stealth into the next room for like. 10 sessions in a row you know <laughs> and it just becomes so fatiguing and so it's like hey you know pick your battles uh specifically by you know making it so that not every dungeon is super long uh occasionally i think it's totally worth it to do a longer dungeon especially if you've got really big consequences and if you build it up then the players are like oh we're okay prepare well because you know there's no coming back or or not for a while at least then you know a longer campaign can be fine it'll still be fatiguing but it's kind of like the uh hard day's work type of fatigue uh, otherwise you don't want to do that consistently in yeah. my opinion yeah I, I would actually add two examples of my current campaign um so i had my group in the underdark and my thought process was well in the underdark you don't really you guys don't know where you're going so you're you're literally wandering around uh and I was making the map as I went, basically rolling on random tables to see what rooms were, were, were next. And they weren't keeping a map, right? And suffice it to say, it went on far too long. And I, I did that because I was like, yeah, I want them to feel 
the frustration of being in the underdark, right? Being lost. But I think it failed because you don't want your players to feel that. You want the characters to feel that. So exactly right, Tanner. You don't want to do too big of a dungeon. But you said something very important. If you prepare them for the scope of it and the scale, I think that's the, the that's the secret sauce. Exactly. You know, because any type of... Here's the great thing. Uh, we talk about Dungeons and Dragons being about storytelling, and it's absolutely right. And, and stories come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. Uh, but as a general rule, you know, if you're not really building a dungeon up, then maybe make it small to medium length, you know? Uh, and then for longer ones, you want to give that kind of uh, gravitas to it beforehand. Um, but, but enough about dungeons. Let's talk about villages and cities. Um, I think it's no surprise that, first and foremost, they're just much more role-playing focused, right? You, you don't go into a dungeon expecting to talk with every mimic who's pretending to be a chest, right? Mm -hmm. You go into a dungeon to just, you know, hack and slash and find stuff. Villages, it's like, no, that's, that's the key difference is like people, NPCs, and you're going to be talking a lot. And how you kind of utilize those role-playing opportunities can be the difference between a very boring city uh, or village and a very exciting one, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Kind of what I was saying before, you know, Aragorn goes into the path of the dead. He's in the dungeon per se. It's not exactly the same thing, but his choices are stay put, move forward or go backwards in a, in a city, a village, a settlement. Your decisions are, uh, go forward, stay put, move, go backward, go right, go left, go up, go down, go inside, go outside. That you know, there's a lot more choices. Yep. And <clears throat> to this point, as I said, with a dungeon, the, the game mechanics were a lot more obvious with a dungeon. Right? There are traps that that cause things. In a settlement, you have more choice. Right? And because of that, your your the game mechanics aren't as obvious. You you might gain favor in the eyes of a baron because you did something for them, which isn't a direct game mechanic, but it's something yeah. that your your dungeon master or you might be factoring in because you slaughtered this orc that was holding this person hostage or something like that, and it's sort of a subtle game mechanic that's not so obvious, but it still has impact. That's another aspect of villages and cities that is, is very different than traditional dungeons. Exactly. And I think, I think if you look at it the right way, then villages provides you a lot more creativity, uh, especially where, you know, like you were saying, the mechanics aren't obvious. So make your own mechanics and specifically make it in a way that provides both direction and development for characters. Cause that, I think that's where villages really shine where it's like, if you look at a dungeon in terms of like, Oh, that's a place where they get kind of galvanized together as a party. The place where they grow as individuals um, is in a city, you know, in, in a village. That's where the characters can be like, Hey, I I'm going to go uh, pray at the nearest, you know, temple of the god that they worship right or they're going to go look for a specific type of equipment that they're looking for or maybe they're they're like hey i want to go find you know the best pie in the city 
or whatever it is, right? The point is, is that in a city, if you encourage it, players can really get connected with their characters. They can get really invested in their characters' uh, personal, you know, goals and aspirations and growth. And that's, you know, that's just such a great uh, part of it. And, and in terms of the mechanics being more fluid, uh, you know, I think that in a city, and once again, just as a caveat here, cities also should be, you know, you shouldn't keep a player in a city too long, you know, um, kind of same as a dungeon. Uh, they should go out and then come back kind of thing. But with that in mind, uh, you should be willing to kind of play around with some interesting mechanics like, hey, maybe your players want to start up a food cart or a business or they want to, you know, go and study at the local library and like get something out of it. Uh, villages, you know, if you're creative, they can be so much more than just a place where they get a couple side quests from some needy passerbys and also buy equipment from the local store, right? They, they can be something where you actually do real things that, that we do in life, right? But, but for a, you know, party of uh, players, right? When setting any scene, it's imperative that you tap into the five senses. When it comes to sound, one of the best ways to do that is with music, ambiance, and sound effects. And that's why we've teamed up with Monument Studios. Monument Studios provides easy-to-use soundboards perfect for dungeon mastering in any setting. If you want to see this in action, go to fantasy-plus.com and get 10% off of your first month when you get their Fantasy Plus app by using the code BETTERDM at checkout. Again, that's fantasy-plus.com and BETTERDM at checkout. Use music to amplify your gameplay. Absolutely. And, and I think in a, a city, it is the time to really pay attention to those moments where your players express sort of a, an interest of their character that might seem unorthodox or, or kind of like a waste of time. Go full in on that, right? If someone's like, you know, like my character likes animals, so maybe they would want to go see a zoo. Spend time making some pretty cool encounters at the zoo where they could actually make some progress in their character's life. Like they could maybe find uh, an animal companion or a, a secret treasure or something, you know, like, like treat their simple interests as, as important because then they'll share them more often and they'll kind of go down those rabbit holes. Um, and also kind of going back to what you were saying about uh, your own game mechanics. <clears throat> I think one of those that, we're going to talk about on a future episode is character reputation. Character reputation can be a very powerful mechanic, especially in a city, because there's people with whom you can gain reputation or lose it, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that, uh, you know, aside from developing personal character arcs, developing relationships with NPCs, that, that can't be understated, right? Because it's like, hey, it, character reputation is important on a citywide le level. And I think that's really fun, but also like with individual characters, you know? In video games, they do it really we well where they're like, oh, 
you kind of have to re reach a certain level of like favorability with uh, an NPC, and then that unlocks different opportunities or or whatever, you know. And I think that we as DMs, when there's a city, I, I feel like it's actually worthwhile to kind of create, you know, a little, you know, little uh, level uh, for <laughs> some, at least for some of the major NPCs, right? That they're going to be interacting with on a regular basis, and kind of make it so that they are not only encouraged to develop themselves, but also develop relationships with NPCs by doing like side quests and stuff. And I think side quests is, you know, something that you should really emphasize in general in a bigger city. Because it's like, you know, with a main quest, you kind of think of it as continuously going forward and moving on to the next place and the next place after that. In a city, you don't, especially if it's bigger, you don't want to go there, visit once, and then just never use it again. You know, especially if the players haven't had the time to really wring it of all its good, you know, uh, opportunities. And so it's nice in a city to, like you were saying, it's like, hey, make essentially a side outing or a side quest of going to the zoo. Or, oh, hey, my uh, uncle's farm i haven't heard from him in a while could you help me you know and, and you just really it, it's a chance for you to play around with different you know opportunities and and kind of quest lines that aren't just the main big earth shattering quest you know absolutely thinking about this and, and thinking about some of the challenges that you will probably encounter when running cities in your game I'm just thinking about some of the challenges I've had. And the first one is it's really easy for the one player who usually doesn't kind of speak up. It's really easy for that one player to sort of fall back and take a back seat to everyone else. So I, I'd highly encourage you to ask each player individually, even in between sessions, what are you planning on doing this next session? What are errands you're going to want to run? places you're going to want to go shopping asking that can give you a lot of ideas for for how to run the game second thing i'd say is it's super easy it's too easy for your entire party to split up i've had multiple sessions where we were we were running uh i was running my campaign while the players were in Waterdeep. the characters were in Waterdeep, and every character was basically doing their own thing and it, it, it sort of set a pattern for like the next 20 sessions, which really annoyed me because even when they're in the Astral Sea, they're all like doing their own thing. It was super annoying. So I would say when you ask each player, what do you want to do? Okay, what do you want to do? Okay, what do you, and you get kind of that list, make at least two, you know, like every point of interest should be next to at least one other point of interest of another character. So that way it just makes sense for them to travel together just conveniently. It's going to save you a lot of headache because then you're going to be dealing with groups of two, groups of three, rather than one person, one person, one person, one person. Uh, at least that's what I've seen in my experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it, it might be nice to be to kind of just push that along. There's, there's an easy way to just make that happen, right? You can be like, hey. Okay, so you want to do uh, you want to go to the to this bakery because you heard a rumor, and you want to go to the uh, Dark Information Guild, uh, and actually they're right by each other, 
It's the same uh, place. The, it's owned by the mob. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, they uh, they bake the information into the pies. Exactly. Um, Dark and, pies. And just you know, you could be like, hey, you, you're both over there. So let's say that you guys both go over there together. Don't give them an option. Just be like. So you guys are going over there together. Great. <laughs> and then the other that. two, you can do similars, right? I love uh, that. And, you know, it, just kind of talking about about po- potential pitfalls in villages. Same as, you know, the dungeon. It's like, oh, it can be too long. Uh, I think uh, villages can be too samey. And, and I mean this in the way that, like, you know, dungeons typically have their own characteristics and their own setting. How many times does a village just appear like an ancient European village in your mind and in the minds of the players? Because it, it's like, oh, you're, you know, they go to a village and they pass the city walls and there's, you know, probably horse carts and carriages and mud on the street, you know, it, and it just gets too samey. And it's like, hey, if they're going to be in a, in a city or a village for a while, why not make it a, a dwarven village? where you know they've got stonework out the wazoo and they you know it's at the base of a vol- an active volcano you know just you want to still put time into uh you know discussing the scene setting and making it play a role in everything that the players are doing you know absolutely you don't want them to forget any particular city and mm-hmm. <laughs> They probably won't because of the experiences that the characters will have, but you don't want them to forget the interests or, or, or the uniqueness of each city. You want them to think, wow, Waterdeep was like the, the first big city we went to, and it has that crime ring. Uh, Red Lark was where we fought that earth priest, and he caved in the center of the, you know, uh, yes. very unique experiences, but also, if possible, setting. Uh, setting pieces that invoke all five senses yeah exactly because you know you gave some great examples there you can make you can add flavor in so many ways and and you can do it in ways that actually add fun to the game as well right and it's not just you know fully just you saying something about it. it's like no the players are experiencing it right if you're in a city that's crime ridden and every shopkeeper is like hey are you just going out at this time of night? Are you sure? <laughs> you know, and if like the players multiple times run into like pickpockets or something, you know, just regular basis. Um, and they're like, they get back to the hotel like every other day and they're like, dang it. I, I'm losing. Some, I missed some points, you know, <laughs> uh, or if they're like, if they go into, you know, if they have to roll endurance checks, you know, based on like the, the uh, ice cold temperatures outside when they're not inside of a tent, then that also adds, you know, easy flavor because there's a mechanic tied into that. And I think that if you think about villages that way, then it can actually be, uh, it can have some of the good parts of a dungeon in the way that it's not purely role-playing, you know? Absolutely. I think the, the secret sauce to both of these is to take the, the traditional way they do it and then sprinkle in a bit of the opposite. So for dungeons, to make it a really good dungeon, you keep it fairly obvious, fairly simple. You know what the goal is. Sprinkle in a little bit of twists and some role-playing here and there and some lore, right? Things that you don't, that you'd expect more of from role-playing situations. And the, and the dungeons suddenly becomes really interesting. 
with the village and the city, sprinkling some interesting game mechanics or some points of interest, some opportunities to gain some loot. And uh, it, it suddenly becomes a much more interesting place because there are things that you can do and potential danger and things like that. And, and you're sort of having the best of both worlds, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and one thing that I think a village or city could really gain from, and, and, and you kind of have to play it by ear with this, is just making sure that the players don't get stuck there too long. Because if they do then a few things can happen. One, they can lose the main thread where they get so focused on side quests. And, and and sadly, as much as those side quests are fun, if players spend too much time on them and on working on their own characters, like little you know tasks and such, then suddenly the entire campaign, it loses its steam. It loses that kind of driving purpose that the, uh, that the players had. And, and so I think it's really important that you kind of balance and you see how many sessions you've been in a city and you see you kind of even sketch out and be like okay what is everyone focused on and if you're like oh all of these feel like they've been focused outside of the main story for a while then that's your cue to you know maybe be a little bit more dungeon like and give an obvious sign of like hey go here do this let's get you back on track and the world depends on it you know and I think that that would make it so that you don't, so a city or village doesn't overstay its welcome in the campaign. Do you love these podcast episodes but aren't always able to listen to them? Do you learn better reading information rather than listening to it? Here's what you can do. Go to sessionzerostudios.com slash newsletter. Sign up for our weekly newsletter. You'll get tips and tricks sent directly to your inbox in written format that you can read and reference whenever you want. You'll get tips that we don't share on the podcast and bonus techniques that, frankly, no one has ever heard before. Again, sessionzerostudios.com slash newsletter and uh, get those free tips and techniques right to your inbox every week. Absolutely. I think... Uh, an easy way to make sure that that doesn't happen as well. Once you've made those calculations and you've decided, yeah, this city has wore out its welcome and the players still don't want to leave, then have the main thread come knocking on the door or rather break down the door, kick it down as, you know, on writing excuses yep. from Brandon Sanderson, they say all the time. A good example of this, it's not, they're not necessarily in a city, but if you think back to the first Avengers movie, they're on the helicarrier, right? They have Loki, he's in their prison cell, things are supposedly going well, and then the bad guys come and take down the entire helicarrier and kill Agent Coulson and let the Hulk loose and steal the scepter and full reversal, right? Uh, If that didn't happen, the plot stops there, the story's over. So that's a great way if your players are stuck, more, more or less, doing their own things, right? Even theoretically, they could be drifting apart as friends within the party, uh, have a massive problem in the city that they're in that they are probably somewhat responsible for because they didn't, you know, follow that thread and they should be back on, or at least they should be starting to think, crap, how do I do this and that at the same time and start having kind of those moral quandaries. I think that's always a really nice way to just get things up and going again. Exactly. And I think, uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about it here and there, but 
I, I think you should already be seeing kind of the place that dungeons versus villages uh, have, you know, in your campaign. Because if you're really wanting the players, if you feel like they've been very tense and that they've had a lot of exploration and, you know, dungeon crawling, essentially, then it's like, hey, this might be a great time to give them a breather, breather you know, where they are spending time in a city where they're getting to develop their characters individually um, and kind of build in like some, essentially some some uh, spices, some variety, you know, to the adventure. Uh, and then once you've added enough of that and, and as soon as you're like, oh, we need more substance uh, or more simplicity, then you go to a dungeon, you know? And between them, you're you're making sure that the travel is interesting, that there's unique experiences there as well. But I think those are going to be the kind of the main meat and potatoes of any campaign. Hundred percent. I think the main the main simplistic way of describing dungeons versus villages and cities is a constriction or an expansion of choices, mm-hmm. and. I think the best time to introduce one is when you've had too much of the other, right? Obviously following whatever storyline you're creating, but if you've been going on a dungeon for a while, have them reach the other side and there's a nice little town. Maybe they've gotten to Shangri-La and they want to, they want to hang out there with the Yetis and, and just gonna, you know, eat some or drink some hot cocoa for a while. Who knows? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I love how you sum that up because you know, so much of uh, of being a DM is just playing it by ear and being like, okay, the party, and it's okay to ask them to be like, hey, how are you enjoying the dungeon? And if you can start telling that like, oh, they kind of wish it was over, then that's your cue. It's like, okay, yep. village coming up, you know, uh, let's end this quick and, you know, cut out a few of the extra rooms and encounters I was planning. Uh, and, and then if they're in the village and you can, I feel like maybe sometimes it's it's harder to tell in a village that the players are ready for the next bigger you know uh hurdle uh and so with that one you just want to really make sure that everyone has had at least a moment of time to kind of develop themselves and then you know maybe do a side quest that's kind of a fun little distraction or maybe go on to the next part of the main quest and then bring them back to the village right you got options 100 percent. couldn't agree more well, uh, thank you all for uh, listening to us kind of explain this uh, this balance between villages and dungeons. And, and we hope that you'll go out in your, you know, in your campaigns uh, and maybe even your smaller campaigns as well. And just think about like, hey, am I doing, am I going too long in a dungeon or do I, or do I need a dungeon right now because we've just been in a village too often? Uh, just really, really implement both of those well in your campaign and it's going to be a whole rounded experience. And uh, yeah, any last thoughts, Justin? I think both of these can be very fun instances. And in terms of when should you use either, I think Tanner summed it up. He said, you got to play it by ear. What you're listening to with that ear is your player's. Whatever yeah. they want, that's what you do, right? Obviously, what you want too, because you're a player exactly. too. But you know what what the um, table wants. Uh, perfect. Well, I, I hope you all go out there uh, in your next campaign or in your current one, 
you know, give them the balance uh, that they're looking for, the well-rounded experience, and until next time, let's roll initiative. <laughs>